live from the DT Studios on Talk Radio 1. This is Daily Turismo Radio. Powered by EuropeanMotorWorks.com. Here's your hosts, Editor-in-Chief of Daily Turismo, Vince Barbary, Chris Florin and Ashley DeLuca. Hello, motorheads. Rev up your engines and get ready for another fabulous episode of the Daily Turismo Radio Show. Broadcasting live on TalkRadio1.com from our studio in scenic Gardena, California. We've got another great show for you today. We have a guest joining us via Skype. We're going to have some fun. We'll have some games, talk about current events. Uh, I think it's fair to say we have a really, really good show, so stick around. I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, that's that's always the case, unfortunately. Uh, (laughs) But before I get too far ahead of myself, let me introduce some of the other Rough Riders in the studio with me today. Seaflow. You rode here today on an Arctic Cat snowmobile. What up? I like your fancy new, snazzy new intro that you did. Snazzy? It's the you same cha- intro. No, you changed something. You said rev up your engines. I did, yeah. yes. Yeah. I've had- <laughs> I changed the That go- got me excited. <laughs> <laughs> did it rev like, your engine? Oh, this is new and different. <laughs> I like this. better. <laughs> you didn't Maybe make not a, a cheesy joke about Gardena yeah. either. What's and up with that? I know. What's up with that? I would just, you know what? I didn't think of one this week. I just, yeah, off the top of my head, I don't know, yeah. Gardena. The home of the smallest apple tree north of the Appalachians. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. I got nothing. That's actually not true. <laughs> That's that, not. That, no, that, they're all true. No, you're no, just wrong. No, you were looking just at. Wrong. You were they're just at, very little. You known. were looking at Hawthorne. Hawthorne That's right. Has a Sorry, you're right. That's why I didn't mention that about Gardena. And then Ashley, who's next to me, and she rode here today in an Evo. Yep. Just like I do every day. <laughs> That's right. That's, you know, I think it's something right today. Yeah. Hence, <laughs> hence, it's called daily driver. <laughs> right. Right, I don't, I don't know what that means. Uh, and sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor is producer Ben. Can you um, reach the, the buttons there? And then finally, joining us via phone is Peter DiLorenzo, who is the founder and editor-in-chief of AutoExtremist.com and uh, known for his incendiary commentary and laser-accurate analysis of the U.S. US automobile industry. Peter, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing good. We have some uh, beers in front of us here in the table, um, but uh, some cotton candy grapes. Yeah, cotton candy grapes. Those excellent. Are. <laughs> but before we get into the incendiary stuff, um, tell our listeners, Peter, give them a flavor of auto extremist, um, where you are the minister of high octane truth. Hmm? <laughs> well, auto extremist. Uh, my original uh, concept for it was to be a magazine, uh, and I had this way back in. 1986 it was going to be a print magazine with uh, no advertising so we could say whatever we wanted and not be beholden to anybody uh, my ad career got in the way so i didn't really start it till uh, june 1st of 1999 and it covers the industry uh, as we like to call it uh, say uh, it influences the influencers we talk about things that other journalists and people in the business will only talk about like in the bar or in deep background or off the record. Uh, we decided, well, we're going to dispense with all of that and we're just going to go right to the, the high hard ones right off the bat. And that's what we did uh, starting with issue number one. Yeah, it's, um, I, you know, I, I haven't seen the, the, the print issues, but obviously I've seen the website. and. It's a remarkably um, sort of direct and non-advertiser-friendly auto magazine. I like it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well, no, it was the idea was supposed to be a print issue magazine, but we never did that. We just uh, 
uh, we went right to the internet. And, uh, you know, we have had advertisers early on, um, but ultimately people shied away from advertising because even though everyone reads it in the industry at the upper echelons of the business, um, they don't want to see their, their brands on the site. So that's the way it is. Yeah, you could um, advertise in like industries that aren't connected. You know, I don't know. You could get some yeah, like, like yeah. wine and cheese ads on there. Yeah, we've been <laughs> we've been down that road, and uh, you know, it's not like we won't accept advertising. We just don't get any serious. You know, when people want to pay like fifteen cents, you know, yeah, a banner or whatever it is, it's just not worth it. So yeah, you haven't sold out. In other words. Good for you. No. <laughs> it, the price hasn't been met yet. So, yeah. so I got to ask If there the, are any advertisers out there, I will sell out. So <laughs> this yeah. radio show is for sale. Producer, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, Peter, um, I have to ask sort of why. Is there, is there a reason you launched the Auto Extremist? Well, you know, I had an interesting background. Uh, my father was the in charge of public relations for General Motors back mm -hmm. in its heyday. So I grew up in a car household in a car town and along the way I had many many experiences and stories and I was just itching to say you know tell them and then uh, my ad career got in the way I was in the ad business for 22 years working on car advertising and I just it just became too tedious and it wasn't fun anymore and I just decided well it's it's either now or never. So I started. I actually started doing the site about three months before I left my last ad agency. So I just had a lot of things to tell, and I had a perspective that few people uh, have, and so it just went from there. Nice, nice. So um, I noticed that you've written a few books over the years. Uh, Witch Hunt and the United States of Toyota were two that I found. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the United States of Toyota was the first book, and everyone thought, well, it was all about Toyota. No, it was about the business, and it was about how uh, the industry is sort of the taking the pulse of the industry. And I use that title because it was how Toyota had usurped uh, Chevrolet's position as America's mainstream automaker. So it was a controversial title. A lot of meat in the book. And then Witch Hunt was uh, the second book, and that was about when the industry was about to go down in flames in, in, the, in 2008 uh, with the Great Recession and the bankruptcies, the government bailout. And uh, uh, so that was the essence of that book. Uh, the, the Witch Hunt actually was a compilation of sort of the best of of my columns during that time cover, covering the business at that time nice nice so um if our if our listeners wanted to buy um uh the united states of toyota i see you can get it on amazon um what about witch hunt uh that should be available too um but you know i have to check i actually haven't looked lately so i will have to check on that okay i think i think it's still available somewhere on amazon all right, good. So, um, Peter, back to Detroit. Um, what is your what is your favorite brand or, or OE? You know, what's your favorite manufacturer uh, in the industry today? Um, 
You know, uh, let's see. I have, there are a lot of star cars from uh, a wide range of car makers. I mean, a consistent uh, excellence, even though it's at a price range that's pretty much limited to a few. I would say Porsche does the job uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, my favorite current Porsche. I was, I'm a 911 guy from way back, the old school 911s, so the new school 911s are just a little too big and gotten away from it. But uh, the they, Porsche they have too came much water. Jeep. They have too much water in yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> They're too wet. The Porsche Cayman GT4 is my current favorite Cayman car. GT4, okay. okay. I don't have one. I've driven one. Uh, it seems to be everything that a Porsche should be. How different was that from the cayman s or the the base cayman well you know uh i'm glad you mentioned that because i would i would absolutely take a regular cayman or a cayman s or a cayman gts or whatever it is uh, i just think it's uh, for balance uh and all-around performance i think it's 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 hard to beat um so uh if your funds limit you to the just the regular cayman that's not a bad place to be how about like a twenty-year-old Miata? <laughs> what, if, what if your funds limit you to that? <laughs> you know, I just drove. I, I just drove one this summer uh, that had, you know, basically was original, and that was just the purity of that car is just hard to beat. It's um, that's true. It's really, really good, and uh, you know, people have gotten away from sports cars. I mean, you know, it's easy to see why in some cases with the traffic, et cetera. But when you're reacquainted with a pure sports car and just go out to drive, you know, there's nothing like it. And an and old school Miata reminds you of that. Yeah, it's you know, refreshing. You don't need to spend a lot of money to get the enjoyment. So, so how do you feel about the Fiat 124 Spider versus the new ND Miata? Do you like either of those cars? You know, I like the new Miata. I think it... it, it you know, I think it's you know brought the concept forward a little bit, and it's it's nice, it's good. Uh, you know, the Fiat, I, I don't know. You know, the Miata, it's a Japanese sports car, and and just uh, putting Fiat bodywork on it and and the engine and calling it a you know 124 just doesn't work for me. Yeah, you know, too so much of an imposter, right? I saw one on the yeah, street. It's, it just doesn't work for me. You, you saw one actually on I the street? I saw one today on the street in my neighborhood. Really? Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the thing I was struck by it was, okay, first off, how high it was. Mm -hmm. And I know, okay, that's, you know, it's the reality of concept cars. You see pictures and they're all hunkered down and low and, they, you know, they look really good. And then the production vehicle comes in and next thing you know, all the bean counters have raised them up by a number of inches. Um, but it, it just it kind of looks the styling looks too bloated it looks like they sort of inflated it like a big puffer fish <laughs> and i just don't like yeah. it yeah yeah i agree i it just it just doesn't work and the concept behind it really doesn't work for me either so you know i, I just don't care for it in that form now the the mazda version the original version the, the update i think works fine okay so then we talked about your favorite your favorite brand um uh, Peter, who is your your least favorite brand? You know, who needs a big smack on the head with a stick in in uh, in Detroit or in the in the auto industry? Well, 
I'm not a big fan of Sergio Marchionne and, and the Italian leadership of Chrysler. Um, the, the good Chrysler products that you can buy, the hot rods and the Jeeps, you know, those are all, they exist because of the true believers that were at Chrysler before yeah. uh, the Italians took over. Um, and I, I just, I, I just don't like if they left to their own devices and the true believers weren't there. I would I would hesitate to think what would happen to Chrysler. Although we just talked about a car, that would probably be a pretty good example of what would happen. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was a nice segue. Yeah. yeah, but you know, um, in the old days, you could pick out. Uh, well, those are crappy cars. You know, today, really, uh, because of democratization of technology that spread. Uh, across the industry, um, there really aren't, you know, the traditional uh, POS cars out there. Uh, they right. just aren't. I mean, they're all pretty good. I mean, now if you if you don't want to spend a lot of money and you and you go buy the the, the price leader at the low end of the market, I mean, it's not going to be much. But um, overall, I mean, the level of uh, quality in the cars today are, you know light years what they uh, ahead of what they used to be so i you know i'm not going to dump on a brand um you know there's a few that have lost their way but uh as far as building lousy cars they just you just can't find those anymore i i read in your um one of your most recent rants on auto extremists that um you're mentioning something about um aston martin and you said they're giving up yeah, on making Yeah, you know, cars. I've got I've got a friend who runs marketing for Aston and you know, obviously the Aston Martins that we all like that are, you know, the sexy front engine supercars are great. The thing they veered into of late is they they've opened a, a boutique in London in one of the toniest shopping districts of London. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're venturing into uh, luggage and uh, a $4,000 baby stroller and, um, <laughs> wow. They're and, trying to be know, a lifestyle even, brand. Huh? Yeah. They've even partnered, partnered up with a, uh, a speedboat company. Um, hmm. and you know, that's good, but you know, you can't hang the future of the brand on that. They're trying to survive long enough till they come out with their, uh, their sort of crossover that they're coming out with in 2020. And, um, it looks promising, but uh, they they are in a financial pinch until then. So I just thought this was a diversion they didn't need to do. Yeah. Well, and how long can Ferrari hang on to their crown as sort of king of the supercars with the sheer number they put out these days is staggering, the number of cars they build every year? And then all of the Well, you know, it's parts. interesting. A couple of years ago, they were heading down, definitely down the wrong path, and they decided we're going we're gonna to cap our annual production at I think it's 7,200 7, units, wow. uh, right around there. Now, Sergio Marchionne, who uh, runs FCA for the heirs of the Fiat family and also runs Ferrari, uh, wants to take that number to 10,000 a year. Um, you know, in the old days, it was Ferrari and everyone else, and then it was Ferrari and Lamborghini. I happen to love the Lamborghinis. Uh, but now you have McLaren, and for a lot of people, McLaren is you know uh, sexier than Ferrari because it's harder to get one, and they're certainly uh, you know supremely uh, 
well-built and engineered cars. It, there's just so much competition. And um, I think where Ferrari's gotten away from themselves a little bit is, you know, you can go to, I think it's Abu Dhabi, where there, there's a Ferrari world that is just this mega center of Ferrari-ness. And they've got Ferrari boutiques. And, you know, they're teetering right on the edge. They have to be very careful. Fortunately, I mean, the 488 is fantastic. And, uh, you know, the, the cars they build are great. I, I just, they are they're on the edge of becoming... Uh, you know, too much, I think. And, and you know, the McLaren is hot and the Lamborghini's hot, so they have to be careful. Yeah, Ferrari's one of those companies that they are somehow able to make the next generation of their car better driving and better looking than the previous generation, pretty much since, you know, the, at least their mid-engine, you know, um, uh, V8, kind of, you know, uh, the 355, you know, four series cars. Each generation, it gets better looking. And that's as not long the case. They can do, yeah, as long as they can do that, and as long as they they have the swells lining up to pay big money for them, I guess they'll be fine. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about Ferrari <laughs> at the moment. So, uh, Peter, this is this is Chris again. Um, just wanted to ask with with your experience in Detroit in the auto industry, um, and kind of having this unique viewpoint that you do. What what do you see as the biggest problem in Detroit, or the the biggest challenge? facing american automakers today well i think uh we are in we are on the precipice of of a new era and i don't think anyone really uh has a handle on where it's going to go i mean people talk car sharing and autonomous autonomous cars and you know the more i hear about car sharing it's just like well let's see uh the car industry says that well we'll still need to make a lot of cars and i'm i'm wondering how that's going to play out and i'm wondering how i think autonomy will have limited use in urban centers and for specific applications on the road um but i don't think you know once you get away from the big cities in this country and you know i always talk to enthusiast groups and stuff and i said you know get in your car and go drive somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Uh, And when you do that, you realize that autonomy is way down the road and it's going to be severely limited. But it's all the turmoil that autonomy and car sharing and everything else and electrification is is causing is, you know, we're we're entering into a complete change. I mean, Porsche is working on an all-electric supercar that's going to be fantastic. And it's not too far away. So um, I think we're still going to have a variety of power sources. The internal combustion engine isn't going anywhere for another 30, 40 years. Um, Ultimately, we're going to be driving not electric cars, but hydrogen fuel cell cars. I really believe that's the ultimate solution. Um, So, you know, where is it all going? You know, I don't have a crystal ball, but yeah. if there's going to be turmoil and there's going to be change, and the the companies that can adapt to that on the fly um, are going to you know survive and thrive. I still think there will always be room for enthusiasts and cars. Uh, I'm not ready to like some are ready to debunk, debunk the whole car enthusiasm enthusiasm thing. I don't buy that for a minute. 
the freedom of mobility is a powerful thing, and everyone discovers it at their own pace and in their own way. But once they do, you know, it's hard to keep them in a box anymore. So I think mobility will always be there. It's just going to take different forms. Yeah, and, and since since the autonomous thing hasn't really caught on yet, and, and the ride-sharing thing and all these new topics that everybody's talking about, um, do you think those are kind of distracting the automakers from the meat and potatoes of their of their business, which is making good cars right now? Well, I, you know, I, I talked to Bill Ford a couple months ago about it, and he said we have to sort of straddle both camps. Yeah. You know, we have to, you know, Ford's got a big presence in Silicon Valley now, as do, you know, all the automakers, and they have to play in that space and really, you know, put a lot of effort into it. But at the same time, you know, there are real people out there needing real cars yeah. and trucks. So, you know, for the foreseeable future, as he said, you know, we're going to have to, you know, we can't forget that we're in the mobility business and we have to build uh, cars that people want. So, you know, it's going to be a, <laughs> it's a challenge for these automakers right now, that's for sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Do you, Peter, do you see uh, Volkswagen and, and their diesel technology making a comeback? Or do you think that's <laughs> a... Uh... <laughs> I actually, um, I, you know, diesels are great and um, it's too bad, but I really think uh, what's happened is going to uh, really be the end of the diesels for the most part in the U.S. Um, I mean, the Germans were clearly the biggest purveyors uh, and boosters of diesels. And they're already making statements that they they believe it's dead now. So, wow. you know, they screwed up. I mean, that that's it was the big, one of the biggest things in automotive history. I mean, that was a calculated uh, we're going to game the system, and they're too dumb to figure it out. Well, they got caught, and you know, it's just you know, they'll be lucky if they didn't have the success of Audi and Porsche under the Volkswagen group umbrella, I'm not so sure that Volkswagen would make it. Yeah. They need those profit generators to stay alive right now. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Now one thing, one thing Volkswagen is working on is that all electric van. They've showed a concept of it. Yeah. And uh, that's the only thing that's going to pull them out of this uh, tailspin is interesting, innovative products that you can't get anywhere else. So, I'm not ready to write them off. I mean, they've got too many resources. Uh, they have too many star cars under their brand umbrella. And if they do that all-electric van, I, you know, that's the kind of thing that might just take off, and especially here in the U.S. Yeah, there's a lot of inertia in a company like Volkswagen that you just can't stop, no matter how big of a scandal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So, so Peter, before we, we let you go, we're going to have to take a break in a minute, and before we, we let you um, go, uh, I wanted to ask you one last question, and it's about tesla and its stock market valuation how do you feel do you think that's a a a reasonable the fact that tesla has about the same stock market valuation as say gm no you know look um all power to elon i mean he's a great showman and he you know had the the wherewithal to to take that concept and run with it and execute it a little known fact about tesla though in order for Musk to pull it off, he had to come to Detroit and have all the engineering finished off by people, industry veterans here. Uh, people don't know uh-huh. that, but he had to do that. 
Um, I think the stock thing is completely out of whack. I think there are a few people in Wall Street who really understand what's going on and don't want to overvalue Tesla, but the rest, it's pure speculation. Um, and I think uh, once the other manufacturers crank up their all-electric vehicles, like Porsche and Audi's going to have a crossover, all-electric crossover, I think uh, that's when the stock will really be exposed. You're starting to see it fray around the edges now, but I think uh, it's headed for a big fall. All right. Well, uh, Peter, on that note, um, we're going to short all our Tesla stock. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I want to say big, huge thanks for, for joining us on the radio show this evening. And Glad to do it. And uh, you guys have a good night. Have fun tonight. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Everyone uh, listening to the show, that was uh, Peter DeLorenzo from AutoExtremist.com. Head over to his website, and then you can even there's some links to buy his books and uh, read his rants. It's very entertaining, and he, he's a fantastic guest on the show. Do you, do you guys agree? You guys oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Dude, we're, like just, we're just listening. I was waiting for an agreement, and I got this looks of stupefaction. <laughs> <No. laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to say anything right there. Yeah. That was I, I was, we just, I was winking or, like this. All right, no, so Ben's on that note, signal. on that note, we're gonna get out the Twix, and yeah. we're taking a break. Snap it to a When we get back, we're going <laughs> to play some play some games, do some fun stuff. You're listening to Daily Turismo Radio. wallets and break out your credit card time for another blue glove tool review this week's tool is a craftsman 311 piece mechanics tool set this should be a part of every man's garage it's a starter set it's what you start with you know you don't go out and buy a specialty tools your ratcheting wrenches or your uh robo glip um, you buy, you start off with a 311 piece mechanics tool set. You get that, and then you can move on to, to other tools. And this is a basic, it's all, it's got enough wrenches, it's got sockets, it's got three different sized uh, quarter inch, half inch, and three eighths. And it is a good basic set. I like the Craftsman, it's inexpensive, it's $230 on Amazon.com. And you can get it from uh, Deli Turismo. If you head over to Deli Turismo and look up the Blue Glove Tool Review, you'll go to our um, affiliate link, and you can buy it, and Deli Turismo, Deli Turismo will get a few bucks if you buy it. But uh, it's the basic set that you're going to start your gearhead garage, and you'll start working on your own cars. And it's something that, like, producer Ben would ever buy because he pays someone else to work on his cars because he's not a real man. But if you're a real man, you're going to buy this 311-piece mechanics tool set. And then we're going to go ahead and just go buy it. Don't worry about it. We're not going to tell your wife about it.
Hello, Daily Turismo listeners. Now that the British country, otherwise known as the United Kingdom, has left the European Union, we would like to announce that European Motorworks, sponsor of Daily Turismo Radio, is no longer known as European Motorworks. They are now British Motorworks. And no longer will they be servicing Volkswagen engines. They will be working on Jaguar engines. Land Rover, Aston Martin, Mini, all these good British brands. If you need any hard parts or machining services, engineering as we call it, if you need a specialist to make you a bespoke assembly, pop round to European, I mean British Motorworks on Prairie Avenue in Hawthorne, California. Call it, ring him up at 1-800-722-8678, toll free in the US. If you're in jolly old Britain, however, there might be a small charge. That's European Motorworks, or visit europeanmotorworks.com. And God save the Queen. And also tell him DT Radio sent you. Party. You're listening to Daily Turismo Radio. Hey everybody, we're back from the break right now, and uh, we just had uh, Peter DeLorenzo uh, have a talk with us about uh, the car industry and... Um, shorting Tesla stock. <laughs> shorting Tesla stock. Um, so yeah, it was a great guest. Um, thanks again for calling in, Peter. And, it was uh, extreme. Extreme. <laughs> All Oh, right. So uh, See what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> we also just want to give our listeners a chance to call in and uh, comments, questions, concerns, insults, anything is welcome. Um, our phone number is 213-291-9410. And just so you know, insults go to the front of the line. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're insulting Vince. Right. Yeah, no, all those yeah. good Vince. nothing less. <laughs> yes. Or his website true. of the same name. Right. Vince.com. <laughs> uh <laughs> Get off my driveway! You get off my driveway! Hey! That's my driveway, you darn kids these days! Darn kids these days! Always so doing things. Is that your intro to this next segment? This is my it's intro to the be, next I'm segment because we don't I'm have gonna one. I'm going to cut that up, yeah. You're going to use that as the thing. Get off my driveway! How about that? that was <laughs> Ashley? No. Can you give us a get off my driveway? Come on, Ashley. Ah, get off my driveway! That was good. See? That was like That's throw sweet. a cat at them or something. I know. <laughs> The cat lady in The Simpsons just throws cats at people. I'll let my dog out at him. See, she's a, yeah. like a hound spinster or something. Not a cat lady. It's different. It's different. Hound spinster. <laughs> Is that sorry? Was that spinster? Did I cut, cut too close to home. I'm sorry. That was that was too mean. <laughs> it's truth or dare uh, night on Daily Personal Radio. No one ever accused Vince of having much tact. <laughs> no, no. I'm 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 very tacky. I'm sticky right now. Tactless. Uh, so. 
get off my driveway. This is where we have we have a little rants about things. Yeah. And um, see if you got a rant for us today. I'm still working on mine. You still so, thinking? Uh... Ashley, you got a rant for us today? <laughs> Great show prep. Still yeah. thinking? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's mulling through his head right now. That no, big noggin so of many, his. There's like, so many things that I could complain about that uh, I just have to let the, the best one filter to the top. All right. Oh, well, I'm going to bring a complaint forward that's actually, okay. oddly enough, this complaint comes from my wife. This is something that she complained about, but I'm going to voice wait, it. Wait, Vince. Yes. Oh, I have one. Can, can, can we? What? Sorry. We, we can ahead. do that on the air. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's about cars. This is it's a about cars. Show. It's not about me. Yeah. Okay. No, it's about cars. It's not about your inadequacies. Right, I just want to make sure. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> That's a different show. What? That is. Yes. Not, we're not going to talk about that. We. Why? <laughs> why doesn't anybody make a fuel efficient people carrier in the U.S. market? Oh, interesting. So. It seems that for some reason, the minute you get more than five people in a car and you put a couple more seats in the back and make it yeah. a seven passenger, it suddenly cars need a three and a half liter V6 with a nine speed auto that goes zero to 60 in like six seconds right. with 300 horsepower. Um, and, and it's. You have to seems, be able to tow a giant boat or. Right. Every yeah. minivan be, has some be, giant it's, V6. It's because this is America, Vince. America. No, but the point is that you can go to the Toyota dealer and you can buy a Prius and it seats five people and it goes zero to 60 in like 11 seconds and it gets you 60 miles per gallon. Yeah. So why couldn't I get a minivan that's like a Prius minivan, right? So it's it's lar- it's slightly larger. Maybe it hits 60 in 11 seconds, but maybe it gets 35 or 40 miles per gallon yeah. instead of the 20 or 18 that every single seven passenger vehicle gets. Like that's the maximum. You just you can't find them in Europe. I can go buy diesel powered. No, there's diesel. The bad word again. Okay. Diesel powered yeah. transporters right. all day long. That'll get you in the 30s and 40s. That'll seat you know eight to nine people. Yeah, but I can't do that in the U.S. Mazda had the the five here for a while. The and little only, mini minivan. But but we got the bad version. We got the oh. version that only seated six. Oh, did they? Have... In Japan, you see the seven. There was a fold up uh, seat that sat okay. with a middle person. There's actually a lot of cars that are in Japan though that. Um, you know, they are kind of like mini minivans that have yeah. that are gas powered and they're slow. Uh, you know, they're slow as anything, but you know, they get around and you get pretty decent gas mileage. That's right, just kind of like the culture they, with that. I think I think it has to do with profitability in the U.S. Like, yeah, it's, I, it's America. You I, can't. That, no, that, but there's no, no market I, for that. There is a market. There's totally a, market, a market. But they. But they. Your wife? No, they. There probably is a market, but the auto companies have done their research and they've determined that they can't make money selling those here. I think that's the answer. So um, doesn't that run counterintuitive to your argument? There's a market if they can't make money. No, well, there is. A, there are people who would buy them. There are people who would buy them. It's not enough of a market. They couldn't make enough make profit yeah. to justify making it. Is what it's I'm because saying. Americans are bigger than Japanese. You can fit seven Japanese. No, it's because they can't charge enough. <laughs> you can't fit. They seven can't. Americans. No, go to Europe and look. Look or look on a European car manufacturers website yeah. in Europe. It's the same thing. Like European, no, 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 no. Europeans what? are small. EuropeanMotorsports.com. Let me make my point. Go to BMW's website in Germany. And look at what they charge for their cars. They charge way more money for the same car there than they do yeah. here. When you do the math, it doesn't compute. So the European manufacturers can't sell their small, fuel-efficient people movers here and make a profit because we won't pay what the Europeans will. And maybe this is agreeing with you. I don't know. but I think uh, you know, I'm going to go with that, Seaflow. <laughs> in America, we buy things. We, we pay a lot of money for something that's big and powerful. We do exactly. not pay a lot of money for something that's small and efficient. See, I, I disagree because a Prius is actually very expensive. You know, like, like you want thirty large for a most basic Prius. That's not that's not very expensive anymore, though. But compared to like the eighteen, you can get for like a you know a, the the equivalent level Thir- of comfort and speed from like a the Toyota Corolla. Sure, but thirty grand is not an expensive quote unquote car. 
Right, right, but I guess sort of my point is that people are more than willing to spend forty large on a um, on a, a minivan, you know, an Odyssey or something. Yeah, that's but what in, started. But in Europe, a BMW One Series is forty grand. Oh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like, okay, and and they've Vince, got they've got a lot of options, and they've got Obviously good technology and all cars. these things, but they're they're small and they're efficient, and that's what's valued there. It's not what's valued here. See, I think it's because they're in the pockets of big oil. That's what I was trying to bring out. I think you need to do D2 okay. European, Vince. The, 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 we, there's we your always, money maker right there. We, we always talked about um, the big oil checks we were getting, and we always envisioned that when I worked at a co- big corporation that obviously was yeah. in the pocket of big oil. Yeah. We always told people yeah, that we got these giant checks from checks, big oil. Like, like the, the big oil would give publishers big checks. clearinghouse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Huge checks. I'm filling my hands around Vince. in, a, in yeah. a radio show. Uh, so that's my rant is that I want a slow minivan for my wife to drive around. Not for you. Our kids and some other people's kids. I only have three kids. You just want to not pay much money. You're not allowed to have any more That's right. Correct. You want it it to get good mileage and be practical and cheap. Yeah. 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 That's right. A little bit of everything. Do do they not sell a four-cylinder minivan in the U.S. anymore? They used to not. Some um, Chrysler is introducing a hybrid of their Pacifica, which is supposed to get good gas mileage. Mm. But that's the first. And you you would have thought. But they'll probably charge more for that one. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. But people will pay more for the hybrids. And and they've shown that time and time again. They pay more for a real hybrid that gets a significant fuel economy advantage. But like the the old Chrysler minivans that used to be able to just buy a base four-cylinder, like like stripped down model. Probably not since like the nineties. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That they used to sell that. Yeah, three on the tree. Yeah. Like, people like, in the, the US have an aversion. Sorry, uh, Ashley. Wasn't the Quest something like that? Like a four cylinder minivan? Originally. Quest, and, the, yeah. and the Honda Odyssey was yeah. too. It was the a Quest small has van. the VQ, the three and a half liter VQ. That's now the minimum does, yeah. engine the Quest. Yeah. What do you need that for? You're driving a minivan. It scares me. It's, that you it's know because that. the way people drive. It's it's nobody ever goes past fifty percent throttle and they never go past like four thousand RPM. They think there's something they're gonna hurt the engine. Right, but if they have an electric vehicle? And they give it a half throttle, it's getting full electricity. And they don't know it. You don't mm. hear it. But their car goes at a reasonable rate with that half throttle. Yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my point. But anyway. Get off my driveway. Get off right, my done. driveway. I'm done. Get off. Okay. Get the, off oil, the, the oil stands cleaned. I'll stick the dog on you. Get off the driveway. <laughs> I'll stick the cats on you. I have a rant. Oh. oh what? Electric what? parking what? brakes. I don't like it. What's them. up with that? <laughs> oh, What's man. up with that? What's the deal right, with electric parking brakes? I'm going to get my phone out. On Facebook. Our new Volvo <laughs> has one. This is the like one thing I don't like about the uh, new Volvo is that it has the electric parking brake on the dash. And I can never remember, do I push it in to engage it? Do I pull it out to engage it? It makes a really loud noise. Like Everybody around the car can hear it when you engage or disengage the parking brake. You can't do e-brake turns anymore because there is... I mean, it, it won't let you. You probably right? couldn't pass a Swedish driving test with that car. You can't do a Scandinavian flick no. very easily. <laughs> I guess, well, that's about more weight transfer than anything else. But um, when you when somebody else is driving and you want to be annoying, you can't just yank the handbrake anymore, which is a lot of fun. But in that car, you can't do it. Um, and a lot of American cars have those now. And I guess I don't really understand why they do that, and, except for, like, center console packaging because the, the little button for the e-brake doesn't take up much space, whereas the, the big handle does. So I think that might be it, because it's got to be more expensive for I, the manufacturers, right, to have an electric, electrically actuated parking brake. Can you even actuate it as a emergency brake anymore? Like, while driving, yeah. you probably can't even hit it. No, you can. Oh, okay. But it's just you can't control it like you can mm, with a handbrake. Yeah, yeah. And you can't, like, yank it really hard. It's just always the same speed. Of you don't want to do that anyway. What? Yank, uh, yank the brake really hard? What's wrong with that? 
trying to make a lewd, lewd joke. No, here. no, I'm no. just saying you don't want to like do that while you're driving down the street. Put your e-brake on suddenly. It would well, sometimes you do traction. No, exactly. Right. Sometimes you do want to do that, uh, but I I think it's it's all just interior design and packaging that's driving this. But I'm not sure. I don't know if you guys have opinions about that. Uh, I would honestly, I would complain about the fact that every automatic transmission cars has the the shifter, the shifter on, the on the on the on the on the floor instead of up yeah. on the console somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Now, does, is that a, is mean, that Volvo a manual or auto? It's auto. Okay, and where's the shifter? The shifter's in in the middle. Yeah, where like the e-brake could be. Every single car. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everything but nowadays the, is going electric, though. You know, e-brakes, like steering, everything. Everything yeah. is electric now. So I think it's just the way that everything is kind of moving forward in yeah the automotive industry. Everything. But like if they, if they do steering right, if they do electric car steering right, you don't notice it, right? Or it, it feels pretty good still. And they it get still a feels economy. like a steering wheel. They get a fuel economy advantage for yeah, electric Yeah, but with an electric parking brake, it's like, no, it's never going to be the same as a handbrake and you'll never be able to do what you can do with a handbrake from that's a, true. you know, as a driver, as an enthusiast. Right. Um, so yeah, that's my rant. Get off my driveway. <laughs> I like it. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else? I'm tired that all of the, like, you know, quote unquote economy cars, they're just all, there's like no uniqueness in any of the cars anymore. It seems like in terms of styling and everything mm-hmm. like that, um, everything is just very, very vanilla. And even with some of the sports cars that are coming out, like I know when the new Subaru, like the STI came out and everyone was joking that it looks like the evo 10 did and you know everything that's coming out just looks so similar and all of the styling cues are kind of evolving into like the exact same thing there's like not too many companies that are willing to take any sort of risks in terms of styling or anything like that and i think it's making driving very boring it's because pontiac's not around anymore (laughs) (laughs) and that that was like come on pontiac they were like (laughs) The Aztec, the, the Trans Am with that crazy hood scoop. Remember that mm, thing? The WS6. Oh, that was yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> the Fiero? I don't know if that's the, the Fiero? U- word I would use. Oh, sorry. I, I'm not very good with English. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read or write. That's why you host a radio show. <laughs> that's right. Actually, that's because I'm, I'm not very, I'm not a face for radio or something anyway. Um, all right, so that was a good rant. I like that one. Yeah. wasn't very extensive, but that's, it's frustrating it's like yeah. you're looking i'm still looking around for new cars with my dad and it just like you know we're going around and looking at all these cars and they all just look the same it's very boring it's probably it's probably aero you know aerodynamics that that drive them to all look very similar and like the, the stylists move from one company to the other and they all kind of know each other and they copy from each other and blah 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 what's up with headlight and brake light design these days is it out of control or am i just like yeah the new prius <laughs> Prius, yeah, I have pre- to give them terrible. I have to give them some thing. sort of props though because they did something weird and Toyota doesn't normally do something weird. I'm not saying it's good looking. They were drunk, Seaflow. <laughs> yeah, what about no, that? They're normally so fuel conservative. Cell thing. That fuel cell thing. Ugh. The Mirai. Yeah. Again, uh, that, that's it's kinda, different. The, the new it Prius, is different. It looks you like have to that. give it that. Yeah. That it, <laughs> those cars don't look like every other car, and maybe like the outline, the silhouette is that's, the same. Yeah. But the styling is weird and. That's maybe a good thing because at least they're doing something different, right? Some people like it. Some people are buying them. How do you guys? How do you guys feel about I don't the? Know. I'm not buying them, but I'm saying that at least they weren't boring again, right? No, I'll give you that. Yeah. How do you guys feel about that Cadillac? Is it SRX? The taillights on it? Uh, if you've seen it, you'll know. What 
what vehicle are you talking about? It's this about? big SUV Cadillac, and it's got taillights that are like six feet that's tall. A, that's the Escalade. That the Escalade? Yeah. Oh, shoot, I thought that was... Is that like the craziest taillights ever, or... Yeah, they're pretty gnarly. Is that boss gnarly. or terrible? Uh, it's a little bit overblown. You've not seen them, actually? I, like the way I don't they, think I've seen them. I, I like you, the way they, they took the, um, the oak leaves off the badge of that. So did you see that? The new Escalade, like in the back? Oh, they did that like 10 years ago, man. No, no, no. no. The ones just a couple years ago had it. Now it's it looks... Oh, they took and they, they took away the wreath. Yeah, the wreath, and they yeah. like squashed the shape, and they, and they took the away shape. the ducks. But that was yeah. like ten years ago when they took away the ducks. Yeah, the but Cadillac badge. If wreath. you look at the old Cadillac badge, it had all these intricate like little things. It was like a, a herald, heraldic crest or something, right? It was like an old medieval looking thing, but now they're trying to make it all modern-y. Yeah, it looks very modern. It looks nice. You and, like and it? Those, I, I do. I actually, I do like. It. And I do like. See, f- I like the tall taillights. If it's was talking about on the new Escalade. Yeah. The new Escalade. I like the um. Not the long body ones, the shorter body ones. The Tahoe Escalade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Tahoe Escalade. Those are nice. <laughs> those are really nice. You know, for all of that sort of Cadillac represents in terms of like, you know, slush mobile cars and weird kind of luxury, I, I actually think they're one of the few brands within GM's portfolio that's doing things right. Because if you see a Cadillac, you know it's a Cadillac. Yeah. It and, is unique looking. Yeah. And that's you, you can't say the same thing for most of the cars out there. Chevys are pretty bland. Yeah. Buicks are pretty bland. They're good cars now, but they're right. you know, they're pretty bland still. They're not like Vanilla. they don't get you excited. Yeah, exactly. Um Come on, they have, don't they have a um what's the uh turbocharged Buick that's the um supposed to be like the Grand National come back from from the it's dead? It's not the Grand National. It's, it's not I know it's, it's the Regal. Though. Regal, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that's actually an Opel. I rented <laughs> of course I rented is. that car in Germany, but it was called the Opel Insignia. Mm. And it was a good car. But yeah. Pretty bland looking, pretty anonymous. Bland driving. They changed the grill and like the headlights and taillights a little bit. To make it a Buick, but that's about it. Do you see the hideous um, two-door version, convertible hardtop that they released? Buicks? Oh, yeah. <gasps> that's another Opal, I think. That thing's ugly, right? Yeah. No, but going back to what you said about the, tail, the headlights and taillight design, I think you're right that that did get way overblown, but I think they reached the peak of that, and even the car designers and their crack pipes realized that they had gone too far. Because if you look at Ford, like two or three years ago, look at like the Ford um, Fiesta, small one, right? Mm. The headlights are like drawn back so far that they almost touch the front doors because the hood's pretty short on that car. Yeah, like Honda Fit. Yeah, but now look at this year's Ford Fit, or not Ford, (laughs) (laughs) Ford Fiesta, and the headlights are back to being more of like a reasonable size and shape. So, like, somebody at Ford woke up and said, whoa, guys, what what are we doing here? This looks ridiculous. And they scaled it back. So maybe that'll kind of, that trend will start to reverse elsewhere. Nissan is really bad with those. It's like, why does your light have to be three feet long? <laughs> yeah. And shaped like a modern art or something. It says, yeah, it's very strange. An alien proboscis. <laughs> Those are my favorite kinds. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we're going to take a break. Um, if you're listening live, we'll be back in a minute after a, a short uh, word from our sponsors. But if you're on the podcast, um, this is the end of this podcast, and you'll get the next one on Tuesday of next week. Yep. Be sure to tune in. Word to your mother. Hey, Vince. Keep on wrenching. Yes, thanks, thanks, Ben. (laughs) You've been listening to Daily Turismo Radio. You can follow the show on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Daily Turismo and on Twitter at Daily Turismo. Use the hashtag DT Radio. 